Hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit, where we take a sideways look at modern business, talking to founders and entrepreneurs about the problems they face and how they solve them. I'm Juliet Ori, and alongside me is my co-host and brother, Andy Ori. Hello. And a quick reminder, if you like what we do here, please do rate, review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at bizwithoutbs. Now, with that being said, our guest this week is James Loveridge. James has worked in the entertainment industry for over a decade for companies like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. A director of entertainment at Little Dots Studio. What a title that is. I want that title. James oversees client operation for some of the largest international broadcasters, producers and studios like NBC Universal, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Sony Picture TV, Discovery. And if that wasn't enough, James had a successful career for a decade as a stand-up comedian. He's toured worldwide and has written and performed in three solo shows at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which got him nominated for the best show in 2016 for his show, James Loveridge, Castles in the Sand. Andy, we are in very good company indeed. James, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. That was such a lovely intro. Well, it's quite an exhausting intro, I feel, <laughs> but there we are. I'm feeling very inadequate. How would you describe your business to the layman in the street who would, you know, actually get what you do, maybe? So the top level line is like Studios is a multi-service digital agency and media network. So essentially, we're kind of split into two businesses. We have our agency and our network. Our agency is a white label service for media owners, rights owners, and recreating or kind of cutting and optimizing video content for social platforms. So we run the Graham Norton Show YouTube channel and well, all Graham Norton show uh, social accounts. So all of the videos you see on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, we run that strategy and build all of that content for our clients. So television, we do that for a wide range of broadcasters. So NBC Universal, we've got about, oh, I don't know how many counts off the top of my head. Is that something you can cookie counter or is, or is there a lot of science to it? Both really. So there are some kind of key tenants to running a social video account. You know, YouTube acts in a certain way, Facebook acts in another, and, you know, so does Snapchat, Instagram, etc. There are certain rules to YouTube you want to follow, making sure that, you know, you're posting regularly, that your videos are engaging, that you've optimised them correctly, thumbnails and using all the functionality that kind of comes with them. So, you know, encouraging engagement. But whilst there are kind of elements like that that feel cookie cutter and what we learn on Peppa Pig will apply to Graham Norton, will apply to England cricket. You know, there are things that do kind of cross titles and disciplines and stuff like that. But then the key part of all of it, and I think the key to our success in our kind of USP, is really understanding the brand. We kind of always say, especially in the entertainment department, like we want to run it like a fan. We don't want it to be just, here's a load of clips, consume it, watch it. We want it to seem like the people that are running the channel and the Facebook page and all of that genuinely love the content they're working on. Because for like 99% of the time, they do. You've got quite interesting content. You're yeah, not, you're not yeah. chopping out the output of, I don't know, 
Well, that should probably be quite fun, BBC Parliament. Chopping that up might be a bit of a giggle. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this bit when he picks his nose. He's doing it the whole fucking time. But Put that on the TV. I, that would do fantastic. That would Wouldn't genuinely it? would. And I, you know what? We would find someone that like gets obsessed with nose picking in Parliament. You know? Oh my God, it, it must be immense. Yeah. Don't touch under the stools. I mean, that must be like... Oh. How did you end up? Here, how did it all begin? My first ever job was um, I did telesales for a uh, marketing oh. subscription service uh, called Pearl Finders. And they were lovely, but I telesales. was just useless. It was a B2B. You were too charming, uh, though. Oh, I couldn't sell a single subscription. I was so bad at it. Did you keep apologising every time you rang up? Or, I, I, but I, I was <laughs> so nervous. I was like 21. I just had sweaty hands the whole time and no chat and no chat and I'm like could I speak to your commercial director please and they're like absolutely not and I was like cool I'll try in half an hour like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go cry in the toilet <laughs> yeah. cool sorry thank you bye <laughs> like just an absolute waste of everyone's time and I remember one company had a, almost like a sweepstake on how many times I would call a day <laughs> and I only found out when they told my then boss was like you need to stop calling us and please tell James to put down the phone <laughs> I was like I'm trying um <laughs> And I was just so bad at it. And like my, my then boss just after three months was like, look, I really like you, but you're fucking terrible at this. And There's very few people though that can carry oh, that job Oh, what a tough off. job. I mean, how happy you are to get an unknown phone call. I mean, even if they say you may have won a million pounds, it's like, yeah, whatever. Man. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing you can say to me that's going to like, you know, engage, you know, yeah. amazingly. Yeah. Uh, tough like, job. No matter how many times I sat down, it's like, just get through the gatekeeper. And I was like, I just want to get through the day. Like, this is just <laughs> awful. So that was, I, I did that for three months and humbling experience there they're good those experiences you work out what you don't want to do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I then <laughs> say you work out what you don't want to do I came out of that and was like I'll do anything um, <laughs> so I, uh, I opened up my job search from just marketing to literally anything and like just give me any job and um, I think came up for a runner at the BBC and I had a memory that a guy that I sat next to in IT somehow worked in television I was like I phoned him up and I was like hey we haven't spoken about three years, because we've both been at uni. Um, how are you? How's things? How's life? Look, I've had this thing come up at the BBC. Do you got any advice? What I should do? What I shouldn't? Uh, and he's like, yeah, say this, don't say that. Get past this, the gatekeeper. Yeah, get past the gatekeeper. <laughs> um, and then he hung up and his boss turned around to him and said, our runner's dropped out. Do you know anyone that can start tomorrow? Which is mad because he went to a, like, a, a, he did a media studies, not, uh, well, like kind of media studies style degree. So all of his friends from uni would have killed for that job. I was just someone from school who you know, just on, happened to off, have rung. Happened to have rung him. Serendipity. Yeah. So I and then I had started work at North One and, and they're like owned by all three. So it's literally so I've I've technically worked for worked for all three for twelve years now wow. since since that phone call. So uh once I'm in somewhere, uh, as long as it's not telesales, you can't get me out. So what's your biggest cock up then? I can't really remember one massive cock up. Like uh, I've made millions and they all feel massive at the time, but like uh, kind of hindsight and and perspective kind of makes them all sh kind of shrink away to nice neat little lessons. It's weird. Like there's a lot going on with social media where obviously you've got multiple people on multiple projects, multiple tones of voice. You know, if somebody makes a mistake, you know, like it, it can happen. You've got junior members of team, like members of staff that are, you know, working on projects and it can, mistakes happen. But I think what we've learned from that is just making sure you have like a really robust kind of 
process guide in place. So if you're working on live tweeting a, a show, then these are the, <laughs> let's pre-write everything in advance. Let's do all of this, you know, like work for it and have a really kind of rigid structure. Live tweeting. Oh, literally that during the show, you're going to be like sending yeah. out tweets. Yeah, yeah. And then and people like do a spelling mistake or something. Yeah, or like. forget, they're, forget they're logged in and then tweet personal stuff the next day. Like that stuff, you know, things like that. But, oh, that's um, classic. Yeah, yeah. So thankfully we've got processes in place that prevent that from ever happening because we do it through a system where, you know, you cannot make that mistake. So like they're all processes that come into place through error. You know, you learn when that shit goes wrong. But you did 10 years as a comedian. Yeah. Has it got relevance in terms of what you do now? Yeah, so we rep kind of about 20 household UK names. So like Jimmy Carr, Mickey Flanagan, Sarah Millican, Joe Lysett, James Acast, Ashling B. Did you perform with any of them? Yeah, yeah, I know some of them. And it's really weird. It's really weird when I'm sitting like in a very kind of professional business meeting. Business meeting. I had a call with Cindy V and she was like, uh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was like, hey, Cindy. She's like, no, 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 no. Just tell me your new jokes. <laughs> yeah. She was like, what's, what's going, what like, and was this like on the side? I was like, yeah, this was on the side. She's like, that makes no sense to me. So is it, is it better? Should I come? <laughs> Have you got any jobs? <laughs> but yeah, so the, the comedy thing has really led into, like helped in a, in a quite a few ways because we've built quite a, a substantial relationship with a, a large number of agencies and acts. Also, just knowing what's important to a comedian. You know, like they, with all artists, there's kind of egos and, and concerns and, and like tone of voice and control and, and just having very frank conversations with them being like, well, look, this is, a, this is our approach, but what would, how would you like to do it? So, for example, like Joe Lysett wants to make it very clear that the content going out on his YouTube is not him. It's not him posting it. It's his team of elves or, or you know, because okay. because his Instagram is so personal that yeah, any yeah. any kind of anyone pretending to be him could get it wrong and it and it's not right with him and he, how he likes to interact with his audience. And that's great. Whereas other comedians like don't care, whatever, be me. It's fine. Mm. And and it and it changes. But like understanding why that matters to them and and understanding how to really optimize a joke to keep the context to keep the you know so you're not just taking something out and completely undermining or or reversing the meaning of a, a particular piece is crucially important to these people the strategy you just talked about then whether or not they someone needs to say whether it's them or not no one can ever really pretend to be someone they could pretend to maybe be a brand because a brand isn't anyone anymore anyway I mean, you would be amazed at what people think on the internet. Like we oh, yeah. run the peep show one and people are like, do you really think, do you think this is them running it? And I'm like, no, this is not David Mitchell running the peep show YouTube channel. Like it's not, the actors aren't running the show, like, but like comments, people are mad. Wow. Yeah. I, I had a, a friend of mine, he's a comedian who ran the KFC Twitter account and he was just like, People think it's Colonel Sanders. Well, people, yeah. <laughs> people just seem to think that, you know, like the person running the Twitter account can really influence what's happening in their local KFC, the pricing, the managerial staff. Like they're like, which is a social media. There agency. is that power though. If you have a problem, I've never used it, but yeah, someone's used it for me with Airbnb. Like they wouldn't give the money back for ages. And then someone else posted it for me. And I, 
this phone call. Oh, so finally, I've made a few. <laughs> finally, my complaints have got through to San Francisco. I thought, bloody right. And, anyway, and then they gave me all my money back, said, oh, special case. And then they rang me and someone else said, no, 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 I posted it on my thing, you know. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Well, you made me feel shit again. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the, publicly shaming people on, on Twitter is a very effective way of getting through to brands. Yeah. You know, you've grown crazy amounts. I mean, I'd be interested on the, what's the most, you know, difficult thing or most uncomfortable thing about being in business? I, I think that the most difficult thing at the moment is both managing kind of all projects, but also a massive team and their careers, really. Their personal desire. Their personal development. My dad finds this like mind blowing because in, in his day, you know, no one brought any of their personal business to work and everybody just came and did their job and went home, right? And he's now like, what are you talking about developing? Developing on my time, on my time. This is the thing, I, so my, my dad was very much like, just shut up and do your job, mate. Like, that's, that's work, in it? Like, just, yeah, yeah. just do your job. Like, you, you get paid. And he'd tell me stories about how they had a cactus and it was mean that you're the one getting shafted today and they'd pass it around because whoever's got the cactus, the manager's being really horrible to. And I'm like... <laughs> That's a no HR departments, yeah, I don't yeah, believe. Yeah. Well, How many in H- your you're... HR? Well, you've got 500 people. How many people in HR? We've got, uh, I think it's 100. Five. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but like, I, I really enjoy the development aspect of it. I think I've got quite a skewed view because this company has given me an unbelievable career. You know, I've mm. been there for eight, nine years. I've started out as an editor and I've ended up as a director of a department of 85 people now. Mm. So it's like, it's been phenomenal for me and I want to try and recreate that for anyone that joins. You know, like obviously we can't, you're all going to manage 80 people. Yeah, yeah. Um, to borrow a comedian's analogy, like uh, Daniel Sloss has a wonderful thing in a show called Jigsaw where he talks about relationships in, and life and, and friendships. He's like trying to build one jigsaw out of multiple sets and that is really what it feels like when you've got project need and business need and personal development and people's goals and you know like certain people won't grow in that project because that project won't grow but how do I then either create additional work that is valuable to the company that helps their development but also helps the department and isn't just busy work you know like it's constantly thinking about how do you build this puzzle with two completely different sets and make sure that it makes the picture that everyone wants. It's really, I find that really difficult, but I do find it incredibly rewarding when it works. And I think that the the way that you do it is you have obviously very clear every three months, kind of good reviews, structured God, feedback. Or, give them the cactus, sit them down with the cactus. It's either you or the cactus. So, but yeah, like, and, and uh, you know, it, it's been a big kind of change and development in how I've operated because it, it's funny. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who is unbelievably successful in Deutsche Bank. I can't even remember his title, but effectively king of Deutsche Bank. He's very, very high up. But he is also from Essex. And he kind of said, it's like the kind of Essex mindset is very industrious. You know, like there's a lot of people working finance in it from Essex because essentially they'll just burn them out. Just go, work hard. You know, don't think about it. in Essex, I love them. And they run the city of London. Yeah, yeah. You just get your head down. We'll work, work, innit? Yeah, let's just do it. And, you know, there is this kind of mindset. It's like, you, you just work hard. That's how you do well you work hard you don't really you know you're not owed anything you earn it and there's this kind of mindset where I'm like I you know when I was gigging I would do kind of eight nine hours 
uh, at work and then I would cycle to my gig, try and do an hour of writing and then do my gig and then maybe do two or three gigs in a night and then go home. And like, it just this, I did that for 10 years and you're like, well, that's how you, that's how yeah, you that's survive. that's tough. That's very driven. Uh, yeah, it was, it, and it, I loved, I loved it. And I, you know, I really don't regret a second of it, but it's difficult when you meet people that don't have a similar kind of mindset, but then ultimately not everyone's got the same shared experience. Not everyone that, like is motivated in the same way. And just because they're not going to burn themselves out doesn't mean they don't deserve the support and career development. But that, they don't have to work all night. I think the, the point you're making, which is an important one is, is you've got to work hard because if someone's not working hard yet they're saying it's not good enough or they want more, then they're not doing the basics, you know? But I, I, the bit I would add is I do think in this country you have to say something to progress, but you don't say, I want more money, what are you going to do? You say, I'm really grateful for the job. I'm happy doing the job. I'll carry on doing the job, but I could do more and I'd like to do more. You let you let those above you know. My real problem with it is that we all know we've got to get off growth. Now, if you get down to the crunch of it, you said it earlier, it's like, well, how does that work in a company where the people, you're not growing as a company, but you're a beautiful, well-oiled thing. The people at the top don't get out your way. I mean, you're going to be around another 30 years. Do you know what I mean? It's like people will be like, well, can you piss off so I can? And you're like, well, what am I going to do? And it's like, well, I don't know because we don't grow anymore. So there's this real fundamental problem. We do have to stop this obsession with growth, you know, long, long term as a society. But how do you fix that in a business? Because a business that's not growing, talent leaves, you know? 100%. And this is the kind of first year that I felt that kind of pressure of like, because we've always grown, you know, we've grown so much, but it was it was not through, and it's easy for me to say, so I think it was because I wasn't senior enough at the time. It never felt through some growth for growth's sake. It was just like, we're doing so well mm. that it, growth is just a, a consequence of the success. But then to keep that is, is quite difficult. I mean, in, in entertainment, it's it's fairly saturated within the market. We've been established for kind of eight, nine years. You know, how do you facilitate growth when you've when you're working with everyone. And, you know, it's kind of difficult now. And also where you're saying about, you know, you want people to feel rewarded and, and kind of their own personal development, which means if an editor that's been with you multiple years, well, they should be paid more because they're more experienced and more efficient. But then if you've got the same team working on a project, your cost of running that project goes up. And then in agency world, it's a race to the bottom. And it's like, well, then if you, you're going to result in worse service unless you turn around and go, look, I know we've done it on this rate, but realistically, we're going to have to look at revisit that and potentially charge you more because if you want this experienced team that's been on it for four years, well, you're not going to get that for that price elsewhere because they just don't exist. They're only here. Yeah, It's, quite, it's a difficult one. And like, we, and I know it sounds a bit, and I'm sure you would say like uh, bullshit more than business, but we do call our clients partners because it does feel like a partnership. We want it to be very transparent. I'm possibly too open with clients. I think with what you do, I think partners is a very, you know, sensible word to use. Right. You are, so, you know, you're posting my content online or something. No wonder your contractual team is sitting there like, you know, going, what the hell? Because yeah, there's a lot of, that's intellectual property, you know, that's... Mm sensitive stuff. So I think that's a fair way to do it. Client, you could say, you know, client's yeah. more respectful. And, and a lot of the relationships we'll have, we, we, we operate on a rev share. So we're not charging any upfront fee. We'll just be like, let's take a split. 
Oh wow! So actually, that is Ooh. a partnership. Like we, we, our success You're is sweating. No, it, I believe in the service. We, we, we pay for ourselves. You know, we it works. Uh, it's a model that works. And it's a win-win. Take away my problems. Yeah, and it, it's completely low risk. You know, they don't have to worry about headcount. They don't have to worry about you know being at the forefront of digital video optimization because they've got an agency that's there doing it, like hungry and constantly trying to beat themselves. No, I want. How are you going to build this team? Uh, the team already exists. Yep. So what has been quite remarkable is the amount of talent that we've nurtured from the ground up. So I've got, of this 85, I've got a management team underneath me that is around kind of 10, 12, depending if you count certain people from different departments. But of that, I would say that 80% of them join the company at the entry level and have worked their way so up. you've over watched a, them grow. Yeah, I've watched them grow. I've watched them grow. And it, that's amazing. And it's amazing. Now, I'm aware that what we do is is incredibly niche and it's quite difficult to hire externally in because, like, without blowing our own trumpet, we are the industry leader at what we do. Wow. So there's very difficult to find anyone that's doing it at the that's standard. That's got the talent. Yeah. Globally or here? Definitely here. And globally, there are some rivals in the US, but one of our major competitors just retreated from the market. That's fascinating. In a growing market. Yes. Yeah, so that is because they are owned by Warner Media and they were told just focus on HBO Max. Oh, big boardroom decisions, cigars. Yeah. No, you know, too complicated. Don't understand it. Get rid yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or it's profitable, but it's peanuts to us. It's yeah. A, it's peanuts. It's a rounding yeah. error in our, in yeah, our world. Yeah. Yeah. But your title, I, I know I'm really, I really want this title, Andy, <laughs> although I'd be rubbish at it. Director of Entertainment. Are you good? Therefore, at entertaining the team, do you uh, go out? So, I <laughs> I took the team in the summer. I took them to Thorpe Park. Woo-hoo! Oh yeah! Did it rain? Did it rain? Uh, it did not rain. Okay, um, it's okay. So, I've got quite a, uh, a mixed team, but predominantly quite young. And there are concerns about, you know, public safety, being in an enclosed area, coronavirus. I don't want it to be alcohol orientated, so it could be more inclusive. All these kind of aspects you have to think of it. And I was pulling my hair out because back, you know, I was just used to, let's just go to the pub and get hammered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, How we roll. Yeah, but that's not... What the young people do. It's not what we do anymore. But one of my team was like, Thought Park. And I was like, "That's that's a really good idea. So we went to Thought Park and like... This is terrible because I I just massively misjudged how much like budget I had and I thought I had a lot less. So I had all the management team buying two for one thought part vouchers and curly whirlies and shit like that. <laughs> anyway, so I'm there with like your crunchy rappers. I, yep, yep, I took them over and I'm like who the fuck am I? So I bought all of these tickets and I've got, at the time there was 62 people came. You literally ate 50 crunchies. Is uh, that I could, for the life of me, could Before not. Before the roller coaster. There were these, the, the, these like oat bars, these like Rivita. <laughs> Honestly, I, you, I just, you couldn't pay me to eat them. They were so bad. Yeah. Anyway, so we've got these <laughs> tickets and I'm handing them out and being like, all right guys, everyone line up. We're going to hand them out. As I'm handing them out, I'm going, I don't know everyone here. Um, And like, as I'm doing it, like uh, this Asian couple just came up and went to take (gasps) a ticket. And I'm like, now there is a possibility that two people have joined. I just, (laughs) I've not met them. (laughs) But the idea there's a remote working romance that I've not heard of is just too far. And I was like, I'm sorry, no. And they just walked off. (laughs) And it turns out, no, they were just just two randoms that had come up. Um, (laughs) 
but yeah, so um, we went Thought Park, some people running late, you know, leaders roller coaster last. So yeah, it was fun. It was actually really best fun. Best ride, best ride. I did one called Stealth and it was actually too fast for me. And I was like, who, like how old am I now that I'm like, this is a bit much. But then, yeah, and then we went to a pub afterwards and stuff like that. But yeah, in terms of entertaining the teams and stuff like that, we're still trying to kind of get people back in person. Mm. So it's quite difficult. Um, we did like remote socials and stuff like that. And I feel everyone did that first lockdown and then we've all burnt out. <laughs> yeah, it, when you turn Not up interested. to the ones with your friends and you realise you got, you know, it's just no... Yeah, no. it was just... Makes a lot of sense in a meeting. One person talking, everyone listening. Makes a lot of sense. A lot of people don't want to talk. You know, we start at the beginning, finish at the end. But in a social situation, that's just agony, you know. Mm. I always think of the pub situation where the, if you've got 10 people in a pub, be all talking, and then there'll be a moment that everyone else stops talking and you're in mid-flow. Everybody turns to look at you and you're like, I know mm. I'm stopping now. <laughs> but um, but yeah, one thing that's been quite remarkable, I think, with Lishadot is, is the kind of little subsets and groups pre- pandemic we had a board game society we had two separate dungeons and dragons groups that were running mm. you had some people that just want to get pissed in the pub you got like it just like there was and real, has all of that stopped um i mean we all still remote working we've not come back to the isn't office that, isn't properly. that the key i think the media industry they're not in but I, the, the thing i noticed with the young like you're saying right they want to go out they want to mm. go party so you know you just need to hold like loads of parties well, it's you funny know? we we did a like we'll be coming in two weeks uh, two days a week when we kind of go back to hybrid working and i did like a survey like what day do people want to come in and the most popular was friday and i was like what? Because <laughs> they want to go out. They want to go out. want to go out afterwards. So uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to break it down into individual teams within the department and then you'll pick. And then I was like, I'm not coming on a Friday. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So have you, you, have you got kids and... Uh, no, no, no. I've just got a cat and some chickens. Um, <laughs> genuinely has got yes. chickens. Cat and a chicken. <laughs> yeah, no. I, oh I my God, I can never bring my dog to your house. I lost my mind in lockdown because my wife and I were working out of a one bed and I genuinely worked off an ironing board for a year. Wow. Um, yeah. We, we asked people to send us pictures of their work environment when at one point we sort of worked out, well, hang on a second, you know, some people are like working on stools and they've got back problems and, you know, mm. and then everyone sending these pictures but said, you know, much happier working from home and they had images like that of the bed and the ironing board and, you know, and our dad was like, right, well, I'll get it set up in the office then for them. That's obviously what they're looking for. <laughs> I've obviously gone wrong with all these comfortable chairs. <laughs> we'll get them a fucking bed and an arnie board and they'll, they'll get them back in, you know. And the funny thing is people would rather work on a bed and an arnie board at home than on a fucking, you know, you know, well, 500 quid chair with a double, you know. <laughs> uh, so what's the hardest thing you do in your job and how do you deal with it? I think the people management that we spoke about earlier is a big part of it because it's it's not simple and every case is unique. You know, yes, you learn from every different person that you manage and, and you kind of, you, you add more strings to your bow, but every challenge is unique. Um, I think with clients, you know, it's a lot of the same kind of concerns and the same kind of things we can build upon. But I think just staying on top of a really high performing, high like content delivering, you know, process and still manage to grow and keep people happy. I think people don't understand how much, you know, responsibility falls on the kind of head of a department or a, you know, uh, director. Yeah, you have to make it, you, you have to 
Yes, you have to make it look easy, but it's actually super complicated. Well, there's no the courses. You can't be taught how to deal with people, really. No, how to go to Thor Park and make sure everyone's got the right ticket. <laughs> and and a sweetie rapper. Right, so I've, I've listened to so many of these in preparation for this podcast. I'm aware the calibre of guests that you have and the people that must listen to this going, Thor fucking park. <laughs> <laughs> no, who is this child who lives on YouTube? Uh, <laughs> Some will be thinking, it. which bar offers two for one at Thor Bar? <laughs> <laughs> Most some, of our guys are disgusting muesli bars. Yeah. <laughs> So what are you most excited about? <laughs> I am genuinely excited about the future. So I think the entertainment uh, vertical within Lidstot is, is, is quite well established, like eight, nine years. But I think sport is about four years in. We recently got nominated for Sports Industry Agency of the Year uh, award. Yeah, I know. Very exciting. And there's like just so much opportunity for growth there. And also our brand team as well. Like they kind of pretty much started out this year and we've got some really exciting partnerships with some like amazing brands. But like that is tip of the iceberg stuff. And then what's happening in the States. Because sport's growing. Well, I, I just think it's a very busy market. But I think what we offer is quite unique. A lot of them are very stereotypical sports agencies or, you know, social media agencies. Uh, whereas we understand content on a very different level. It's very much data-driven and it's through knowledge of audience behaviours and, and what kind of performs well. So I'd say that our organic strategy on how to reach people, how to, that magic word, drive engagement. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So... There's a few that kind of stick out, but one that really kind of made me laugh and it does work. Like I, when I was working on the World Rally Championship, I was coming back from Argentina and I was on a plane and I was sat next to a man. He was really finely dressed, like an amazing kind of blazer, but he had like a neck brace on and seemingly a cravat around the neck brace. He was a very bizarre looking man. And the food came out and it was awful. It was absolutely awful. And we both kind of just stared at it in silence. And he turned around to me, apropos of nothing, and just said, the things we cannot fix are already fixed. And then he popped it open and started eating. And I just sat there in silence thinking about it for ages. And I was like, he's really right. The things we can't do anything about are not worth worrying about. There are so many times when I've worked myself up in a panic and started to think, oh my God, you know, what can we do? What can we do? But it's like, if, if actually something's set in stone and there isn't anything you can do in that immediate instance, there's no point fretting about it. Worry about the things you can affect and worry about the things you can change and improve. And work on your reaction, I guess, is the other thing. You know, they say, oh, you can't, you can't, stop someone coming up to the street and saying, oh, fucking Pete, you know, like I had recently, trying to have a Zoom call on the top of a bus. I don't recommend it. When you're talking to a client about raising a million quid, oh my God, I almost got like murdered by someone who thought I was a banker or something. Anyway, but you know, there's nothing you, all you can do is control your reaction. And that, mm. I guess it's a very extreme version of that. It's like recognize stuff you can't change and have no reaction, Yeah, you know, because it's, it's not happening. It's great advice. Yeah, I don't think he was trying to ever give me any kind of worldly thing about business or how to live your life. He was just talking about plain food, but... He was um, probably talking about sitting next to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy sitting next to me talking about garlic. It is yeah. so boring. I was farting. I just started growing garlic. Anyway, the plain food arrives. <laughs> so, James, your top three podcasts and top three reads, got any suggestions for us? I 
weirdly don't find much time as much as I'd like to. I think that uh, I listen to the BBC World News podcast pretty much every day. That's kind of a great one in the mornings when you're making your coffee. Uh, I mean, depressing, but insightful. It's fantastic. I love the World Service more more than the BBC Four. Do mm. the World Service. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it does show you that it's like, oh, there's something messed up going everywhere around the world. Yeah. But yeah, I find that fascinating. And I also, I'm listening to the Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast, which is comedy show that's like the longest running sitcom live action sitcom in the US uh, and is it live action I never knew that about yeah it. yeah it's, it's very it's very funny I mean it, they push the envelope quite a lot uh, and openly say you know we might not have quite hit the nail on the head in the early seasons but we perfected how we approach different subjects but that's very entertaining in terms of reading uh, at the moment I'm reading uh, Wheel of Time uh, obviously we're working with Amazon Prime it's their big uh, thing at the moment and I just I love fantasy so what, what is Wheel of Time about it's similar to kind of Game of Thrones style, fantasy, right. epic. There's uh, 15 books. Um, good, good. Yep, so it's... Good it's for us dyslexics. Quite, <laughs> <laughs> quite the undertaking. Um, but it's funny because like, I, I go through phases of reading. I, like, I won't read for six to nine to maybe even 12 months and then I'll consume loads of books in, in like... Do you find succession. they overlap with your drinking? It's sort of, you know, when you start drinking the... Reading goes down, and when you stop, it comes back up. You know. The books get simpler. It's yeah. very much spot the dog, and you know, uh, fight, you know, five go hunting or whatever. Um, but yeah, so. where's Wally? That must be a cracker when you try. Oh fucking hell! Uh, very good, very good, very good. Okay, so that brings us to our favourite part of the show: the business versus bullshit quick fire round. D. Cue the music. This is where we reel off a list of key terms and all you have to do, James, is tell us whether you think it's business or bullshit. So, James, are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do it. <clears throat> all right, number one, diversity quotas. Business. Stand-up meetings. Bullshit. Coffee. Oh, business. Agendas. I think, for the most part, Business can sometimes be bullshit. Yeah, I'm sort of with you on that one. That's, uh, yeah. Uh, hour-long meetings. So, so always having to have a one-hour meeting. Oh, no, absolute bullshit. Office dogs, very controversial subject. Oh, my God. They are business. Um, okay, good, good. You don't have to say that because he's here. No, you know? no, that's fine. I mean, he is chewing my leg, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> no, business. I would love... I, I did a gig for the Dogs Trust. Oh, wow. That was one of my last ever gigs. And I'll tell you what, they people that look after dogs all the time are the happiest people. I bet they are, And yeah. they laugh a lot. So, yeah, wonderful. Wonderful people, wonderful organisation. Yeah, unless you're the one who looks after all the Datchins because they're moody bastards. Anyway, <laughs> slogans in the workplace. Uh, I think if you're talking about scored on the wall, bullshit. If you're talking about kind of things to remind people, like I always say run it like a fan, but that's just like make good content. Oh, you would mean almost post-its at your desk sort of say, remember... No, it's remember just... A, I, I say Chelsea FC Mantras, mantras. Mantras. I say it a lot in training. meetings. This is, you know, this is what we'll focus on, but I'm not going to paint that on anyone's forehead or anything, no. Right. So we're with that. I was, Yeah, because it would have been controversial if you had some, I guess. Swearing in meetings. Ah, business is fine. Business, definitely business. Pub lunches. Oh, business. Yes. Big, big business. Yeah. Board minutes. 
board minutes. Uh, I'd say they're useful business. I actually agree. You should watch out when you don't have them, unfortunately. NDAs. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. Acronyms. Bullshit. Oh, I'm agreeing with this man quite a lot. You even got the office dogs one right. <laughs> Finally. Exercising. As part of business. I know, I always thought it was a confusing question too, but yeah. I would say that part of business is bullshit. Uh, if you just want to exercise, fill your boots, yeah. Yeah, I guess the theory is is that a lot of people feel that you, if you don't exercise, you can't actually be, you know, on your game and be good at business, you know? That's absolute nonsense. Oh, Jesus, there's no yeah. hope for me there. Well, I agree too. So far, full marks. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the tense one. Can I ring the bell? Finally, if someone has got it right. <laughs> Formal work clothes. Bullshit. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> As a professional accountant, I disagree. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay. So, James, if our listeners want to find out more about you online, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, LinkedIn, I think, would be the best option. I do have uh, a Twitter account, but it is just inane pictures of chickens. And uh, Have they got names? Uh, no, I just call them the ladies because I know that their life cycle is short. But they are rescue hens, so, you know... Wh- wh- oh, my God, you can get rescue hens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even though they don't live very long? Uh, yeah, well, the idea is they're going to be cold, so you just kind of donate to the... Uh, British hen welfare. You get eggs though. You get beautiful eggs. You, I, get, you get like the, the the super thin crisp skin. You get you get the the floopy ones uh, when they oh, first get up. Yeah, because they're really yeah. But then you can feed them well and they start getting nice eggs. Didn't know that one I was a be day. Talking. One a day each, apparently. Yeah, I, I get about one a fr- day. They make one whole massive egg a day. Not, well, you got to talk to them and look after them. Oh, I, my, my, my wife DNA can't has pump out an egg a day. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to be sweet talked if I was doing that industrious work. <laughs> uh, I'm like, one egg a day, a love. <laughs> <laughs> You're five times, fifty times the size of that chicken. <laughs> I, it's funny. I find myself complimenting them every time. Thank you so much. Uh, Really appreciate it, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, they're just incredible, good, proper eggs, though. Like they're yeah. just the most smart, and they sort of feel ethical, sort of. You know, it feels okay. Great. So, what's the LinkedIn account? Uh, I get James Loveridge. I, there's not, oh, very good. There's the only other one. The only other one is a footballer for Swansea. So I don't think he's got LinkedIn. Okay, hit James up on uh, LinkedIn, not Twitter <laughs> for the chickens. Good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and how do we know more about your business if we wanted to find it? Um, so we have our website, <laughs> which we are updating. Media agencies, it's like website. People who build good websites have shit websites, by the way. You know, they just <laughs> never fucking get to their own, you know? Well, we, we are updating it. Our uh, our marketing team is actually doing an amazing job in, in kind of bringing that a bit up to date. Uh, I even had my first ever headshot the other day, which was wow. nice. Forgot that, you know, kind of flat on a video call does not equate ironed. So the picture came back and I'm like, oh, I really should have ironed that. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was my desk for a while. So yes. sentimental, I suppose. <laughs> Are you looking for, you hiring at the moment? You're trying to find some... Oh my God, yes. We're constantly hiring. So we're looking for editors, channel managers. Uh, I think we're looking for people in our media team, our ad sales team. Creative people who don't want to just make a TV program. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> All about engagement. Creative people that want to work in engaging content. Yeah, very good. And go to Thought Park. And go to Thought Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you to James Loveridge for 
joining us. A big thank you to you, dear listeners, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Never says thank you to me. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. Someone's edited me out. You and, know. and and uh, thank and you, you to my you dear brother, Antti. Thanks, sis. Antti's horrendously inappropriate chat. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at bizwithoutbs, where you'll find more useful business content. Until next time, it's cheerio. Bye.